0: I'm Helen Scales, a marine biologist and writer.
1: And I'm Shay Rhodes, a journalist and filmmaker.
0: And this is Earth Unscrewed.
1: This living planet we call home is the only known planet in the universe to sustain life.
0: And we are its trusted custodians.
1: But we're not exactly looking after it, are we?
0: In this podcast, we'll be looking at some of the sustainable solutions that could fix the problems.
1: And hopefully, unscrew the planet.
0: Welcome to another episode of Earth Unscrewed.
1: Yep, today we're going to be looking at aviation.
0: Air travel has completely changed the world over the last century.
1: It's connected distant lands and communities
0: and allowed us to become a truly global economy.
1: But the more planes we launch into the sky, the more carbon dioxide is pumped out into our atmosphere.
0: So, today we're going to be asking, can we have our cake and eat it too?
1: I how can we still go on holiday, conduct business abroad and eat avocados without screwing up the planet?
0: It's a good question, isn't it?
1: Mm. (laughs) I'm not sure I've had a good year on this front, to be honest.
0: I've taken a a flight, yes. I flew to the States.
1: But the temptation's there, isn't it, always, to fly?
0: Yeah, and I guess for us as well, with work, I Mm. mean, for you, you couldn't really do... I couldn't
1: do my job without it. it. With work, I, I kind of put it to one side. It's personal travel that I really feel I need to be watching myself on. I I kind of feel like with work, there's a solid reason why I'm going and it's going to be good for my community and the community I'm visiting and so on and so forth, and this is how I excuse it in my mind.
0: Yeah, and the problem I have is I really love flying. I love it. I love travelling. I love being in the air. I love the physical fun of feeling of it. I love looking at the earth from above and seeing things. So today we're going to be learning about a CO eating bacteria that's turning our waste into jet fuel.
1: Cool. And we're going to be discovering how an airline is leading the way for sustainable air travel. As you'd expect, really.
2: My name is Emma Harvey and I'm Head of Sustainability at Virgin Atlantic and Virgin Holidays. So what that means is on the airline side, our biggest impacts uh, from a sustainability point of view is the carbon emissions from flying our aircraft. And across the board, we also do a lot of supply chain work. And that's about improving the environmental, animal welfare and people credentials of the products and services we buy. So I originally worked as a health scientist and then about 15 years ago I took a career change. I realised that I wanted to work in something to do with sustainability. So I started by encouraging companies to take on more fair trade products because my feeling was that if your bigger companies are buying fair trade at volume then you're helping more factory workers and farm workers around the world and that had to be a good thing. So it's about improving labour standards and, and people's human rights around the world. As I was doing that, the climate change science was coming through in a very compelling way. And it was clear to me that there was a lot of scientific consensus around the need to act, you know, big and fast. And businesses that I was working with were starting to ask what I could do to help them around the environmental sustainability side of things. Most recently, I was working, before I came to Virgin Atlantic, at Wembley Stadium, helping them with their greening programme. And that was a lot of fun. They reopened their doors in 2007, the new build, and we were doing a lot of work together, and it was it was a great time and a great team, and I was really enjoying it. And then the Virgin Atlantic job came up. By this time, I was a committed environmentalist, so to me, that seemed like a huge opportunity to work with a company that was known for innovating, for doing things differently, for having business for good values at the core of what it does, and in a carbon-intensive industry that we really need some solutions for.
1: It's interesting what she was saying about the decisions that an airline makes on sort of what kind of food to carry and so on. And I didn't quite realise until hearing Emma speak there that yeah, when I've been on a Virgin flight, they do have different products. On other airlines it's sort of like a bland plastic bag with some food in it and you don't really know where it's come from or anything. And on Virgin it might even be branded, so you can kind of go, Oh, this is from that place. Or yeah. That company.
0: I quite like it when you get um sort of local foods from, from the place you're going to well, yeah. or coming back from, you exactly. know. And you feel like that at least sort of that's tapping into local markets yeah. and things. And I guess, yeah, bums on seats on those planes. It's a lot of people who are sitting there exactly. you know, consuming exactly. on on the plane as well as the plane itself. So you so. have
1: a huge amount of impact. I mean on that subject, air travel is incredibly popular. Yeah, you, no you've doubt. Three point eight billion passengers every year travelling on the plane. Thirty five percent of world trade by value, is flown from lot. country to country.
0: That's so huge. much. And point, it really tells yeah. you that
1: we, we are totally reliant on air travel, aren't we?
0: We absolutely are. So, of course, it's not going to be a simple fix. We are, we're, it's embedded in our, in our world. So we asked Emma how the aviation industry is, is going to approach this huge mammoth hurdle. So the three big areas where airlines can achieve or are
2: about to achieve significant carbon savings are in fleet in Corsia, and I will come on to explain that, and in new sustainable aviation fuels. So, for example, in Fleet, the manufacturers have been working on efficiencies around airframe and engine technologies for decades now, and they've made really significant step changes. And so for an airline like us at Virgin Atlantic... We've been involved in a multi-million pound fleet renewal programme now for a number of years, gradually switching out our less efficient aircraft for much more efficient fuel and carbon efficient twin engine aircraft. That's already achieving, for example, about a 20% savings since we started doing that and measuring our emissions in 2007. Each new aircraft actually gives us a 30% reduction in carbon emissions compared to the aircraft it's replacing. So you can see that we can get big chunks out of savings out of those fleet replacements that we're already doing. And there's more to come. We have new 350s coming this year. We just announced that we have an order for A330 NEOs, which is the next generation of efficient twin engine aircraft. Going back to CORSIA, CORSIA stands for the Carbon Offsetting and Reduction Scheme for International Aviation, and I think maybe the easiest way to explain that, it's like the Paris Climate Agreement, but for our sector, for international aviation, and what it's doing is that airlines will be paying for carbon from 2021 to 2035. What that means is that airlines will be paying for carbon offsets from 2021 to 2035, and that means supporting projects around the world that do things like renewables or forestry and other conservation projects.
1: She's got me thinking then. She's hit all my favourite geeky points, firstly about technology, yeah. like the types of planes. It's also, in a weird way, it's borne out the fact that we're all flying so much. There's so much demand for flights that people then have to buy more planes, yeah. and so then people design better planes. Yeah. Um, so in a weird way, we've both caused a problem and yeah, found a solution. It's sort
0: of <laughs> yeah, it's pumping the, the money into it and then the interest in the technology. Yeah.
1: But there's another area that we haven't mentioned, which is sustainable aviation fuel. And here's Emma explaining what that means.
2: So. Sustainable aviation fuels is a broad category that includes a range of different solutions. So most people have heard, I imagine, the term biofuels. Biofuels are made from biomass, so that might be crops or that might be um, agricultural residues and other waste streams, for example. But we are particularly interested in focusing on advanced waste-based approaches for fuels. So you can make fuels out of all sorts of different plentiful unavoidable waste streams, whether they are gases, waste gases, liquids or solids. There are a wide range of different sustainable aviation fuel technologies in development. There's already been more than 180,000 flights around the world using some kind of sustainable aviation fuel blend in the mix. The reason we are focused on waste-based approaches is because at the moment those fuels are not affordable for an airline, so they cost significantly more than the current fossil price. What's really exciting is when you get into advanced waste-based approaches that give you the opportunity to make fuels at a price on a par with the fossil price, because that's the big breakthrough area. Once you can produce them at volume and an affordable price, that's when airlines can buy and fly them routinely. So Lanzatech is a really interesting company. We spotted them a few years ago, uh, around 2011. And what was extremely interesting to us at the time, we thought it was really novel, is that they make fuels out of waste industrial gases and other waste streams. The first bit of technology that Lanzatech is working on is to make fuels out of waste carbon-rich gases from heavy industrial facilities, like steel mills or refineries. So a lot of those facilities will flare waste carbon monoxide into the air. It's a waste stream, so you have to burn it off and it becomes CO2 and it goes into the atmosphere. So LanzaTech catches the waste carbon gases and uses a fermentation type approach to make ethanol at the first stage. And then you can use that ethanol for a range of different products. And one of those products, of course, the one that we're interested in is jet fuel. So the next stage, once you have ethanol and you want to make jet fuel, you've got to go through a series of chemical processes to produce something that's chemically equivalent to kerosene. They produce the first batch of jet fuel from ethanol derived from waste steel mill gases a couple of years ago. And then, as you might imagine, when you're looking to use a new fuel technology in a commercial aircraft, you have to go through a lot of rigorous safety and performance testing. So. There's an international committee where all the manufacturers, the fuel experts from the manufacturers sit. By that I mean the airframe and engine manufacturers like Airbus and Boeing and Rolls and and GE. And they evaluate the characteristics of the fuel and make sure that it performs the same or better than fossil kerosene. After a long process, it's known in the industry for being a long process because there are so many checks to make, which is the right thing to do, clearly. That fuel was qualified for use in commercial aircraft last year and we took that first batch of fuel and we flew it on a commercial flight in October last year, which was really exciting for us, just to show that it was technically possible, we were ready and we're ready for business to go to the next level. So, Lanzatec's next steps around the jet fuel piece are to build a 10 million gallon unit in the US, a demonstration scale plant, and that's pretty close, that's within the next year or two. And then to look to build the world's first three full-scale plants using this exciting technology. And what most people don't realize is that could be closer than we think. So we're talking between 2021, 2022, and maybe 2025, we could have the world's first three full-scale plants using carbon capture and utilization technology. Lanzatex is a really interesting technology so you can use solid waste as well as um, gas waste and we've been doing some modelling uh, as an industry in the UK with our industry group, Sustainable Aviation and you will sometimes hear that there aren't enough waste to go around but actually we're finding the data is showing that there are a lot of waste that it's very difficult to reduce can't be recycled currently because there is no recycling market for them And we have almost literally mountains of waste that could be used for low carbon, sustainable aviation fuels, rather than drawing new fossil fuels out of the ground and putting more carbon into the air.
3: My name is Jennifer Holmgren. I'm the CEO of LanzaTech. In my mind, We are at a point where carbon emissions are such that we're on a trajectory to probably increase temperature by four to five degrees C. The IPCC report talks about safe temperatures as about one and a half degrees, maybe two degrees. We're at just a little bit over one right now and you're already starting to see the impact. You're already starting to see tremendous suffering based on the intensity of of weather patterns. This will be expected to continue and get significantly worse. Climate crisis to me means we have to stop emitting carbon. We have to stop single-use carbon. Today, we use carbon for energy, for fuels, for chemicals, pretty much everything we do. And it's mostly single-use carbon. We take it out of the ground as a fossil carbon We put it into a product and then we dump that product into the atmosphere. This absolutely has to stop. We have to stop our carbon emissions. So just like yeast, you know how you make beer? We have a bacteria that instead of eating sugar like yeast does, it eats carbon emissions. So what that allows us to do is take this carbon, this single-use carbon and giving it a second life. We're reusing it to make ethanol. The ethanol can be converted to jet fuel. The ethanol can be used in a car. The ethanol can be used as another raw material. And so that that is really what we do. And I would add one last thing that I really believe reducing emissions at the source before they're emitted is super important. Even though we say there's a lot of carbon in the air, There is, but it's in the PPM, you know, 400 PPM of carbon, right? So taking that carbon dioxide out of the air after it's been emitted is really, really hard because it's so dilute. In most flus, as they're coming out the stack, the carbon tends to be concentrated. In a steel mill, the gas source we're using is 40% carbon monoxide. So that's a lot easier to capture and convert. And so the reason I focus on easier is because one, it'll make the technology make more economic sense, which I think is important. But the other is whenever something's hard, the other way to think about it is it requires not just more money, but more energy. So you're using more energy to do the same thing. So I like to think of what we do as prevention, preventing the carbon from getting into an atmosphere. Rather than a cure, which is reusing the carbon that's already out there.
0: Single-use carbon is a term I've not heard before.
1: No, it's so good though, isn't Doesn't it? Isn't
0: that just capture the idea of this? Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: And now that people are starting to understand single-use plastics, it's very yeah. really easy to understand concept. Same for yeah, carbon. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Fascinating stuff. And as well, like this idea that Jennifer made of. It's such a high percentage of carbon coming out of the, the stacks of these mm. industrial power plants and steel mills and things like that that it makes not only environmental sense of what we're aiming to do here to try and capture that, mm-hmm. um, but economic, economic sense as sense well. As well. Yeah, yeah. I
1: did come across a, an experiment in algae growing in which they used a coal-fired power station in Australia They could only use about 10% of the carbon dioxide that was coming out of it to grow algae in that case. And then the algae produces kind of oil that can be turned into petrol. As they were both saying there, there is so much waste that it really isn't a case of can we find the waste? It's just, you know, how motivated are we to do so? And clearly airline companies have that motivation.
0: But it is really amazing to think that it might not be that far into the future that we could see aeroplanes being filled with sustainable fuel and from things like agricultural waste and the single-use carbon being cycled back around. But in the meantime, we asked Emma if uh, we should perhaps follow in the footsteps of the climate activist of the moment, 16-year-old Greta Thunberg, who travelled all the way from Sweden to the US recently on a high-speed eco-yacht, which looked rather fun. And she really is encouraging lots of people to think about whether to give up flying altogether. I think
2: I'm a pragmatist, so. We know that people love to fly. That's um, what our brand and our company is all about. And most people connect with that. We love to travel. We love adventure. That's what our customers want. And actually what's happening around the world is that aviation uh, demand is increasing. So facing that reality that people love to travel and want to travel, I suppose it's like anything else. It's how do you do it better? And actually there are real opportunities to make big, significant steps forward in this space. Already the manufacturers have been working for decades on a more efficient fleet and that gives us a chunk of savings. We've then got Corsia helping us to achieve carbon neutral growth. We're on this tipping point for full-scale plants producing sustainable aviation fuel from unavoidable waste streams so that we're not taking more fossil fuels out of the ground. And we're talking significant breakthroughs coming within the next few years, so say the 2020s. Beyond that, what we're looking at is electric and hybrid electric fleet. Now, we're talking 2030s, I believe. It'll be short haul initially because you need quite a lot of power to fly that big tube around the air. So liquid drop-in fuels are the way forward for long haul commercial operators like us, for the foreseeable future, really. But what you can see is you've got a step change of improvements. And then you've got global carbon market-based measures, potentially beyond Corsier. So, we believe this is really, you know, it's not just a village, it's a whole city, it's a world. To me, it's about how do we do it better. We absolutely know that we are part of the climate change challenge, that we are carbon industry, that we need to act. But there's already a huge amount of people working on this across different stakeholder groups. And I would say to people, get behind that, get involved, make a difference. At an individual level, you know we're we're doing this big stuff. Read about it, learn about it, understand it. Fly with airlines that do stuff and care about it. And then beyond that, there are things you can do. You can also offset your own carbon emissions from your own travel. You know we're we're doing that through Corsia. There's still more carbon to offset. Make sure you use good, reliable, robust schemes. And we have one through available through our website through um, a third party organisation called Climate Care. And then little things actually weight on board adds up so think about what you're packing when you go and finally also think about what you're doing when you get there when we're on holiday we often leave behind what we might do at home but you know observe your good environmental stewardship when you're away as well switch your lights off use minimal water you know water is a scarce resource in a lot of our destinations use public transport use your feet buy sustainably buy from local producers so there are things we can do all the way through the chain but fundamentally we are after these big carbon breakthroughs and we absolutely believe in taking climate action and making a difference. And we call on all the stakeholders that have been working hard so far and those who want to come into the frame to help to really get these next stage
0: solutions for our sector. Electric planes are mm. amazing, really. I mean, think... Um, yeah,
1: that sounds really cool. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's the inevitable next step. You've got cars, you've got bikes, planes, eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. We've got trains that are electric.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it starts now and who knows where it's all going to end up in the next few years, 10 years, 30 years. It's going to be very exciting to see that change. So that's all we've got time for today. Many thanks to Jennifer Holmgren and Emma Harvey.
1: And thank you for listening to this episode of Earth Unscrewed.
0: If you've enjoyed listening to any of the themes we've been talking about today,
1: we've included some links in the description. So
0: to follow the series, don't forget to subscribe.
1: And please do remember to rate and review. It really helps us to get these incredible stories out there.
0: So until next time, I'm Helen Scales.
1: And I'm Shay Rhodes.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.